knowing why you're doing something makes doing that thing so much better, right? Like if your mum goes, you're going to have to wake up half an hour earlier before school tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's not happening. Unless she says something like, so we can have pancakes. Yeah, okay, suddenly I'm jumping out of bed a lot faster than I would do usually. We love having a reason for that 30 minutes of extra sleep. But do we actually have a reason for our entire lives? Have you thought about that before? What is your purpose in this life? Um, if you're a Christian, you know that you're saved. But why? What's the point? What's the purpose? Uh, well, tonight we're going to look at one of the best bits of the Bible. Um, and we're going to see that if you're a Christian, you are fully saved to live for God. Um, we're going to see that Christians have a new purpose and a new power. Um, so let's dig in. If you are a Christian, you are fully saved. Everyone look at verse 1 with me. Put your finger on it. If you have a pen, underline it, because this is one of the best verses in the Bible. Um, if you don't have a pen, underline it when you get home. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Right now, no condemnation. What's condemnation? It sounds like it's a bad word, and it is. It's, it's like a punishment or being judged, right? So he's saying that now there is no punishment. Why should we be punished? Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the law. The law was God's perfect standard. There was this whole bunch of rules that you had to keep. And the deal was keep them and you'd be right with God. You could get into heaven. But we couldn't keep those rules. I haven't, you haven't. You probably know that you haven't lived how God wants you to live. So we had no hope of being right with God, unless God did something. And he did it. He said it right there in verse 3. Um, it's just a little bit down. So, for what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. What the law was powerless to do, was in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, weakened by us because we couldn't keep it, God did. What did he do? He saved us. But how did he do that? God did by sending his own son. Jesus did two huge things for us, all right? Number one, he lived a perfect life. He kept that law that we could not keep. Um, Jesus did it. Jesus obeyed God perfectly. The Bible calls that righteousness, right? And Jesus gives that righteousness freely as a gift to anyone who comes for him. Um, have a look at verse 4. So he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but live according to the spirit. So um, if you're a Christian, if you're in Jesus, you have that perfect righteousness that Jesus has lived. He gives it to you freely. Um, you have his perfect record, I guess you could say. So just did two things, right? Number one, he gives you his righteousness. Number two, he was punished for our sin. What does condemned mean again? Punishment or a judgment. So there's no condemnation for us because Jesus was condemned. Um, verse three, it says, um, the law was powerless to do and that was weakened by us. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. He was punished for us, my sin, your sin on Jesus. So now, verse 1, therefore, there is no condemnation 
None, because Jesus has dealt with it all. It's not like God has, you know, 90% forgiven you. It's like, yeah, but I'm still pretty disappointed and, you know, smack on the Like, it's not like that at all. There's how much condemnation is there in verse 1? No condemnation. There's none because Jesus has already dealt with the whole thing. So I go to uni a lot in the week and I go at Gosford Station. And you probably don't know this, but it is ridiculous to try and park your car at Gosford Station. Like, if you're like half an hour late, everything is backed up and you have to like drive over a hill and down a, and down a side street and basically park in someone's driveway. And then you've just got to sprint for the train and hope you make it and you usually don't. So it's terrible there. One day I was late and I was lazy because I did love my sleep. And I saw and I knew that if I didn't get a park right now, I was going to have to park heaps far away and I'd sprint for the train and I hate doing exercise and I'd probably miss it anyway. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to park here. Now, I knew this was a no parking zone. It said it right there, no parking, arrowed this way. And I was like, I'm just going to stick my nose inside, like the nose of the car inside the parking zone and go, well, I'm sort of in the parking zone and hope that that was good enough. Cross my fingers, went to uni. But sure enough, when I got back, paper on my windshield, big whopping fine, huge amount of money I couldn't pay for parking in a no parking zone. And I was freaking out. This was so much money and I didn't have a real proper job. I'm sitting there in my bedroom holding this piece of paper, just crying over it and looking online to see if there's a way I can just go, please, counsel, I'm sorry, can I just not pay this somehow? And dad was in the room next door and he heard me crying and he came in and he wasn't angry at me. He just gave me a cuddle and said, I'll pay it. My dad took the fine that I should have paid. It was my fault. I was driving. He wasn't even there. I should have paid that fine, but my dad paid the money that I owed to council. Now, was the council still angry at me for parking in the no parking zone? No. The fine was paid. There was no reason for them to be angry at me anymore. The debt was paid. Jesus is just like that. Jesus paid the fine that we had to pay to God. And it's like we get his perfect driving record in replacement. Can you imagine my relief when my dad said that I didn't have to pay the fine anymore? When he said I was forgiven. Do you think I'm ever going to park in a no parking zone ever again? No, of course I'm not. I still get shivers when I drive past that sign. We should act like that with Jesus. We should be so thankful that we have been forgiven and we should be living in accordance to that. So, is this you? Are you fully saved? Come back to verse 1 again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Who has no condemnation? Those that are in Christ Jesus. So, if you trust Jesus as your king and you have, accept him as your saviour, there's no condemnation, no punishment, no judgment. But if that's not you, if you're not a Christian or you're not heaps sure about whether or not you are, please listen right now. It is not about being good. It's not about anything you do. It's not even about you. It's about Jesus. Salvation is a free gift. If you want it, you can come to Jesus and he will take the punishment and pay the debt that you owe. Um, But to the Christians, I want to say there's no need to feel guilty anymore. Jesus has paid all the punishment. You don't need to feel like your sin is too big for you or that God hates you because of it. Because when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
Um, Jesus has dealt with all of your sin. If you are in Christ, you are fully saved right now. Have you ever wondered if you're a Christian? You sort of think about it and you're like, I'm not really sure. Or maybe you call yourself a Christian because you go to a Christian school, you have Christian friends, but then you look around and you don't kind of look like other people that call themselves Christians. Actually, you kind of look like everyone else. Or maybe one day, um, a year or so ago, you became a Christian, you said you'd become a Christian, but you're still basically the same person that you were before that. If becoming a Christian is what's happening in here and here, then how can you be sure you weren't just tricking yourself or lying to yourself? How can you know for sure whether or not you're a Christian? This passage says if you're a Christian, you have a new purpose. So you are fully saved to live for God. Come with me to verse 4. In order that, so he condemns sin and sinful man in Jesus, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So if you're a Christian, that's your purpose, to live according to the Spirit, to live how God wants you to live. We have a purpose now. You know, what's the sign that a fridge is working? It's keeping food cold. It's doing its job. What's the sign that you're a Christian? You are working at fulfilling your purpose. You're working at living for God. But I want to make this really clear for you guys. Living for God is not what saves you. Or what makes you a Christian? This is just a sign. Jesus does the saving in you. Living for God doesn't make you a Christian. It's a sign of whether or not you are a Christian. So if living for God is what the sign of what makes you a Christian, isn't God kind of mean? Like he gave rules and he knew we couldn't keep them. And then you become a Christian because you knew you couldn't keep the rules. And now God's saying, live for me again. And you're like, you knew I couldn't do that. That's why you sent Jesus in the first place. Um, Is it the same thing? Is he just setting you up to fail all over again? Well, no, he isn't. It's not the same thing, and he's not setting you up to fail again. God gives us a new power. See, we have the Spirit now. That's God himself living in us. Um, Verse 9 and 10 are talking about Christians and non-Christians. But he kind of like mixes them up. So to help you out, particularly people who don't have a Bible so you can watch, I'm going to jump to the left if he's talking about non-Christians, I'm going to jump to the right if he's talking about Christians, okay? But if you have a Bible, read on because it's better at explaining it than me. So verse 9 and 10, have a look there. Um, You, however, so he's talking to Christians, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. Um, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. So what's he saying about these people? Well, he's saying to these people that if God lives in you, um, then you belong to him. You're in the realm of the spirit um, and the spirit gives life. Has anyone here seen Pacific Rim? Yeah, giant aliens and giant robots. Can TV get any better than that? Like, come on, seriously. Um, So this plot of the movie, if you haven't seen it or seen it on like trailers or anything, Giant aliens come out of the ocean, so obviously the only option is to build giant robots to punch them in the face. That's just genius. I love it. Um, But the problem is that the robots are so big, like just massive, that if someone's in there controlling it, they can't do it by themselves or they'll die. Like their brain would just explode from trying to control it too big. 
Um, so they have two pilots in there. One pilot and another pilot standing next to each other. And these two parts have to have the same mind. They have to think in sync. Because if they both punch at the same time, then the robot will punch and then the alien it dies. Um, it's not a great illustration, but it's kind of like the Holy Spirit is piloting this giant robot with you. If your co-pilot knows all the alien's weaknesses and has had all the like fight training, then you need to work with them. Um, you can't be like walking the other way and the machine will just freak out. Or you can't fight against them. That's like punching yourself in the face. And all it's going to do is make the robot stand there until the alien rips it to shreds. You need to be working together. So what's the sign that the pilots are working together? The robot is fighting the alien. What's the sign that you're working with the Holy Spirit? You're living for God. Now remember, living for God does not make you right with Jesus. Um, Jesus' life and death did that. If you're fully saved, it means you can't add or lose anything from your salvation. That's all complete in Jesus. But if you are a Christian, God's power is helping you now. You've got the Holy Spirit punching aliens in the face for you. Um, so start living how God wants you to live. Um, you have a purpose to live for God, and the power of the Holy Spirit is helping you do that. But by now, you're probably just sitting there wondering how. It's easy to say live with Jesus, but you just sort of get there and go, eh, I don't know. I go to school, I go to sport, and that's it. I don't understand what you mean. Yeah. So, um, it's, I'll give you a... This is um, <coughs> If you're a Christian, you're freaking out because you're not really sure if you've ever demonstrated this sign that you're a Christian. You're wondering, am I actually really a Christian? Listen to this. It starts in your mind, all right? Changing the way you think will change the way you act. So verse 5 and 8 talks about, 5 to 8 talks about the two different people again, so I'll jump again. So, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the nature desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind controlled by the sinful man is death. By the sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, sorry, this is a bouncy one. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So this might be a crazy thought for you guys, but you may have noticed biology and science tells us that the mind controls the body. Well, yeah, crazy. Um, but for Christians, if you want to know how to live for God, remember this, where your mind goes, your actions go too. There are two types of people, remember? Um, and it says two different things about them. They can either focus on two different things. So those with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires, and that leads to life. But those who have their mindset on sinful desires um, leads to death. Have you ever noticed that if you're running in a race and you start to see someone over there and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a friend, and then you start... And I have literally run into a fence doing that before because I'm really bad at looking where I'm trying to go. Um... You, you sort of go where you're looking, right? Well, where you are thinking, where you are looking, where you're focusing your mind is where your life will end up going. <laughs> um, so either you can set your mind on what God wants or you can set your mind on what you want, and that leads to death. I'm going to talk to Christians for a while now. So if you're a non-Christian, just sort of tune out, um, sing a song in your head. I'll tell you when to wake up and listen to me again. Um, I don't want to talk to Christians, and I want to talk to people who aren't heaps sure if they're Christians because they don't see themselves living as a Christian. Um, this is really important. Remember, you are fully saved to live for God. How do you know if you're saved? 
Remember, you have the spirit and you're working to live for God. Um, yeah, and if you're one of those people that's freaking out going, I've never really tried, I don't know, I'm basically the same person as I was a year ago. Don't freak out. Remember, verse 1, there is no condemnation. That's a beautiful verse. Um, and it's okay if you haven't tried to live for him in the past because you can live for him now. You can start right now trying to shape your life how God wants you to live. Um, think, think about Jesus. It starts in your mind, right? So think about what he wants. Don't think about um, your, your friends and, your, and Facebook and your boyfriend or girlfriend. This is what God wants for your life. So think about Jesus. Think about that crazy debt that he paid for us. Think about the life and the righteousness that he lived and gave to you. Um, pray about that and, and know that Jesus has forgiven you completely. Um, if you want to start working on putting your mind on Jesus, I'm going to give you about five of my top, ten, top five, in no particular order, ways to start thinking about Jesus more. Um, first one, come to youth. Obviously, you're already succeeding in that because you're here now. But come to youth next week. Come to youth when your friend has their party on. Come to youth when you're tired. Come to youth and listen to the talks because that's where God is um, using people to speak the word to you. Um, leave your phone under your, in your bag or under your chair. Get out paper and pad if you need to. Bring your Bible along so you can read along. These will all help you to listen and focus your mind on what God has to say to you. Um, number two, go to G-Team. If you want to help your mind focus on Jesus more, you got to know what he's trying to say to you, right? So if you are spending time in the Bible, so G-teams, uh, things that we run Saturday nights, woo, Sunday mornings as well, 8.30 and 10.30, and some of you have them through the week as well, so talk to your leader. And in a moment, we're going to break up into discussion groups, and you can ask your leader when their discussion, where their G-team is on. But they are so awesome for finding out what God wants out of your life, um, how he wants you to live, they're great for encouragement. They're great for killing sin together. Um, they're great for being in a Christian family and hanging out. Um, so that was number two. Number three, read your Bible. If you're not sure, um, then talk to your leader and they'll get some daily reading notes for you. If you've never read your Bible before, that might be a sign that what you're thinking about is not what God wants you to think about because you're not hearing what he has to say. You're using your spare time on other things like TV or sport. So maybe just... Start, pick a time in your day, on a school day, say, as soon as you get home from school. Five minutes, that's all it takes. Set an alarm on your phone, whatever makes it work for you. And just read the Bible for five minutes, work through those daily reading notes if you have them, um, and it will start fulfilling your purpose of punching that alien right in the face. Um, number five, kill sin. This is a massive one. Verse 13, have a look at it there, underline it if you've got a pen. Four, if you live according to the sinful nature... You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This isn't saying that you need to live perfectly. This is saying that you need to kill sin. So if by the Spirit, by working with God, by listening to Him, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. Killing sin doesn't mean putting it in a little cage and only taking it out when you want it to. It means killing it, getting it out of your life completely. Um, Choose one sin in your life that you know is there and you know that God doesn't like it when you do that thing or think that thing or treat your friends that way. Choose that one sin and think about how God wants you to live. If it helps, and it will help, tell your G-team leader, 
Odds are they understand or they've gone through exactly what you're going through. They know when it's too hard to listen to God. They know when sin seems too powerful to bother doing anything about. Talk to God in prayer, then talk to your leader. Now, non-Christians, wait back up again. If you are not in Jesus, verse 8 says some pretty scary stuff for you. Listen, those controlled by the sinful nature, so non-Christians, cannot please God. Cannot please God. That means that it's not about what you do. You cannot do anything to make yourself right with God. You might think you're pretty okay, that you don't hurt people too much, and that God's okay with that, but sin is a much bigger deal than what you think it is, and God is much greater than you think he is. Don't let this opportunity to know Jesus slip away from you. You can be saved and fully saved and know for a fact that you are saved. It's not up to how good you live. It's only up to what you make of Jesus. So I'm going to pray now and then we're going to break up in discussion groups. And I really want you guys to talk to your leaders about what we've been saying, about um, whether or not you can see in your life that you are living for God, that you're fulfilling your purpose as, um, as saved people. So I'm going to pray now um, and pray that God will help us to do that. Um, Lord God, I thank you so much that you offer a chance for us to be saved, even when we don't deserve it. I thank you that you paid the debt and lived the life so that no matter how we live, Lord, no matter um, how ugly our past, that you um, see Jesus as perfect and so you see us as perfect. I thank you for Jesus' life and death. And I thank you so much that we are forgiven. Um, Lord, I thank you for those among us who are Christians, who know we have a new purpose to live for you. Um, So Lord, I pray that you would help us to live for you and that um, we would be doing what you want us to do with our lives, Lord. I really pray that you would help us to be killing sin in our lives because we became Christians asking for your help, Lord. So we ask for your help now that we would be um, leaning on you to live for you, Lord. Um, I pray all this in your name. Amen.